This is Equip and Engage, a podcast by Subsplash, exploring how ministry, technology, and innovation come together to equip churches around the world to engage their communities. Hey again, thanks for joining us on Equip and Engage. I'm Chris, and once again, I'm here with Nick Bogardis. Nick, how are you feeling about part two of your conversation with Mark Sayers? Uh, I'm feeling great. I loved the conversation with Mark, and in particular, in this, epi- in this episode, I am excited for listeners to hear two things. Um, the first is we asked him about the challenges the church is going to face in the future, right. similar to the interview we did with Russell Moore a, a couple weeks back. And so their answers are interesting to hear from two different perspectives. Totally. And Mark's is, is unique and helpful. But then also Mark's input on uh, what the, the gospel and Christianity as a worldview have to offer in face of those challenges. I believe pastors and church leaders are going to find very helpful as well. Agreed. Well, we've already made everyone wait a whole week to hear the rest of this interview. So let's go ahead and get started. You're so good, Mark, at at seeing what's out there, uh, giving us like an orientation uh, for where we are, uh, giving us language for what we're experiencing. Uh, I'm curious if if we turn the corner a little bit and I'd love to hear what you think about what are what are a few things that that Christian discipleship um, that that the gospel itself offers to this unique set of problems that you're describing, mm-hmm. whether it's the gray zone, decentralization, mm-hmm. um, this authoritarian spasms, uh, like mm-hmm. what what is the gospel? What does Christian discipleship offer in the midst of that? Well, the I start with the gospel, and the, and the gospel is the truth that Jesus is Lord above every single thing, <laughs> and that human attempts whether they're centralization, decentralization, whatever the heck they are, building a metaverse, destroying the metaverse, (laughs) that anything done without the Lordship of Jesus will result in disaster because humans have fallen short of the glory of God. So I think we're seeing that in real time in the world. Mm -hmm. And partially like like me, like Australia's whole thing is lifestyle. Americans love freedom. Australians love lifestyle. My city was the lifestyle capital. Like we were continually voted the most liberal city in the world. And, and I realized I was always battling against that, like, cause I'm, you know, it's like, there's always 27,000 different things to do on a Sunday morning than go to church in Melbourne. Yeah. I began to realize like, hang on, Mark, how much have you bought into that as well? Like, I, I love living here. It's so amazing. You know, so many great things to do. It's not been a great city to live in the last 18 months. Where had I put my idolatry? So I feel like this moment, there's all this stuff happening in the world, but then I, I put the gospel light on myself. It's like, Mark, where, where have you fallen short of the glory of God? Where have you been trying to do this in your own strength and striving and having a works mentality, even about how you do ministry? And so I think the gospel is, is it's always relevant. I'm finding at this moment, there's just this, this truth of the gospel that I find once you listen at the right register, it's ringing out in the world for those who have ears. Mm-hmm. That then leads me to be a disciple, to live that way. Um, mm-hmm. and, and what I realized is I'm, I'm trying to formulate this. So apologies to people for half-formed thought. What I realized at this moment is people have become less passionate about their faith in the church and they've become more idealistic and dogmatic about politics, different views, and that's wrong. Yeah. They've become skeptical about faith and we're more than ever almost religious about politics, other views. Let's get that back. I am I'm hugely skeptical of everything. I'm becoming more skeptical of so many skeptical of so many things in the culture, but I'm more devoted to Jesus. And I think we need to get that order back. Like I, I don't put myself in left or right camps because I'm just so cynical about them both. 
And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think we need to, to get back to that. And that's what discipleship does. And then there's just this really personal rediscovery. Like my, my prediction is where we're going, I think cultural Christians, being a cultural Christian and claiming to do discipleship is just going to be increasingly hard. And I think there's actually been a gift in this season that the cultural Christians, many of them have fallen off and some of them have gone on and almost created their own post-church cultural Christianity. That's another discussion. But mm-hmm. um, I feel like there's the, the, there's an, a, a massive opening to the gospel at the moment because there's so many people out there who have been sitting, like I think in my city, people who are continually distracted by great coffee, festivals, sporting events. They've been sitting at home and so many people. I was talking to a guy in the street. They're just like, I don't know what to believe anymore. And, and George mm-hmm. Hunter talked about, look in, in ministry, so mission, look for the gap between idols. We're seeing idols fall. People are going to pick up mm-hmm. other idols, but there's going to be a remnant who are like, I want another way. So let's look out for that. But also there's a, there's a gap in our discipleship. The things we relied on are falling. We're going to, when COVID goes, maybe we're going to run around like headless chickens again, but there's going to be a percentage of people in your churches. And I'm saying this to myself, how do I mm-hmm. push deeper into Jesus? In this time, well, yeah, I, I would love to hear like what, as you think about your church, like what are some of the things you're thinking about doing uh, that mm. might be different than what you would have done post COVID mm. to do so. We realize that volunteerism is down. Like we would run a lot of volunteers on a Sunday. That, that's down. It's hard to get people. There's all the complications. Um, yeah. We're, we're going to be in, a, in, a, in an environment um, uh, where we'll come back, uh, you know, soon. Mm-hmm. And the staff are doing more things. Um, mm-hmm. and, and we've come up with a new, more streamlined way where the staff do the service. And we had this realization. We thought, we've got people who come to volunteer and they may move chairs, they may be, do whatever. But there were people who were like, well, they'd come on the week they're moving the chairs and then they wouldn't come. And then we, we had this thing like, is this being dysfunctional? Like, if people mm-hmm. are coming less, they'll come when they volunteer. And part of our thing is, oh, if we get them to volunteer, they'll come more. Mm-hmm. I'm now at the point where maybe we... Like, so literally, I'm going to be honest, during, during when we were able to do services for a while, we, the staff, were getting there early and moving the chairs. And I was moving yeah. chairs. And um, part of me now is like, maybe we do less on a Sunday. And I would rather the time that people are getting, uh, we, we have people, that they're pushing into worship. They're pushing into discipleship. They're pushing into sharing the gospel with their neighbors. They're pushing into to helping the poor. I'd rather they do that than just keep this giant machine going all the time. And so, you know, we're looking at how do we just make this more simple, more about mm-hmm. Jesus, more less mm-hmm. bells and whistles, but just make this unashamedly mm-hmm. about Jesus, hearing his word, being in his presence, worshiping mm-hmm. him, not for us, but for him. Mm-hmm. Like, like mm-hmm. that's one of the big things. I think before in this very consumer world, it's like, come and now we've got donuts or this. And look, that's, we're going to have, we're going to have pastries the first two weeks we come back because we want to celebrate when we do that. So it's not about mm-hmm. donuts are bad, donuts are good. But I just feel like there's so many bells and whistles that we're putting on things. Now it's going to be unequivocally about Jesus. And when COVID goes, there's going to be a bunch of churches which will probably push back into all the bells and whistles. But for yeah. us, we realize we've got this really opportunity to, to make this about Jesus. So that's the invitation that we, we're taking at this mm-hmm. time. Cool. Thanks, Mark. Um, you know, as we look to the future, uh, I'm curious, what do you see as the top problems facing the church in the next five years? Mm. We're heading into a complex environment and in a complex environment, it works different than a complicated environment and a complicated mm-hmm. environment. You hit a problem, you work a, a way around and then you keep going with your plan. Mm-hmm. A complex environment is like a car bomb that just blows everything up. You don't know what's up, what's mm-hmm. down. 
And I think what we're seeing is already, you know, we just did a podcast for our podcast the other week is that, or in some countries like the UK, um, uh, they're running supply chain issues. You know, they had their gas stations were running out of fuel. Um, America's hitting similar things. We're hitting some things here. Um, you, I think you can't even send a, a package from the US to Australia at the moment because there's all these supply chain issues, crazy stuff. And I think what's happening is we're going to see a number of crises begin to roll into each other. Um, I think that this perfectly tuned world that we created, in, you know, which was sort of at its peak in 2019, once one crisis comes into it, um, things start to short circuit. The second thing I would say is, so we're going to have like things start to spark. Uh, some of the, I, I had this about six months ago, I had this thought of like, what's the guys who like future proof because there was people who were talking about pandemics like for the last few years. I was like, what are those sort of types talking about now? They're talking about the digital pandemic, that basically the internet will become an increasingly unwieldy place, um, more cyber attacks, it'll become more balkanized. There'll be a Russian speaking internet, there'll be a Chinese internet that some countries will join, like you might have Asian countries joining that, um, that, uh, that even supply chain issues and energy issues will begin to affect things online. So that sort of perfect world where everyone can watch YouTube in every country. Uh, you know, we had, we had Google were threatening our federal government because they were trying to put some restrictions on them and Google were threatening to stop us being able to use Google in our country because we had some regulations on them. So it could be that, you know, somebody's planning like, oh, we're going to plant a, a campus in that country. You might not be able to have the platforms to go into that country, you know, so mm -hmm. there's di increasing digital disruption. Um, mm -hmm. I think there's increasing polarization, but I think polarization moving into fragmentation. Mm -hmm. Too long to do it now, but the, really the mm -hmm. left and right have really split into multiple factions and almost fighting yeah. with themselves more than they are with each other. That's an inevitable part of political science. Um, mm -hmm. I think we're moving into a, a period of deglobalization, more regionalization. That's what they're talking mm -hmm. about. I think the environment's going to increasingly present challenges. So all of these things will bounce off each other. And, and so lastly, I mean, this sounds, this is all sounding very depressing. I think there's going to be economic challenges as well. You know, if you listen to top economic people, they're like, we're heading to a world we don't even understand it fully. So I think I'm not saying often people hear this and think, oh, he's talking about a zombie apocalypse and, you know, the cities are going to fall and it's going to be, you know, Mad Max or something. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that the very smooth, well-functioning, finely tuned world, yep. of, you know, up to 2019, maybe it was the, the 2000s. Yeah. That that is, I think, it's not going to fall apart, but it's going to be more clunky. There's going to be more disruption. So disruptions is is about, I think, what the yeah. future holds. Um, yeah. I think that's what the church is going to face. I think the big, just one thing I'm going to pull out of that. I think what is changing is the ability to do contemporary church as we have understood it for thirty or forty years is increasingly going to be a challenge. Doing a few programs, getting a man of cultural Christians who already have some sort of morality that's quasi-Judeo-Christian who can come into your church, that's falling apart before our eyes yeah. in a lot of places. So I think that that's really needs a rethink. Now, do you mean like um, just the structure that enables that uh, approach to church? Uh, like, you know, in terms of like having a sanctuary of a certain size and an AVL system that can support it? Or do you mean like, you know, even, even the cultural familiarity that you don't have to translate um, what, you know, who God is or what sin is or any like Orthodox Christian concepts, you now have to kind of bring those back in and define them. Like, it, what do you, yes. what do you mean by that? What are the challenges? I think the, I mean, both of them, I think the second part that you mentioned okay. there influences yeah. the first part. So what we've seen okay. is churches, which we've seen this across the world, churches that were all happy and gathering 
all of a sudden political polarization comes in. Um, and um, that then means that people are leaving or, um, you know, even if you look at the environment, like it's going to be interesting mm -hmm. that um, churches followed transport. So if you look like along here, there was a train line into the city from here. So the downtown mm -hmm. and there was churches along the train line. Then when it went to cars, people were drive a little bit. But then when people were going to drive 30, 40 minutes as Melbourne got bigger, you had mega churches. We're about to go through another one of those changes. Cities are changing. Uh, uh, the energy, how people are going to use energy is going to change. So I think that's going to flow on to size. So I think we're moving through one of those great changes that's going to be around both ideology, the fact that you can just get a group of people who are nice suburban people, that, that's fragmenting. Um, who are sort of Christian yeah. background, um, that, that's fragmenting at this point in time. And even international things like... Um, you know, when um, we've got a lot of Chinese people around this area and Indian people and, you know, mm -hmm. recently and again now, you know, it looked like there could be a conflict in the, in the Himalayas between China and India. And I'm thinking, man, what if China and India go to war? How's that going to affect churches in this area? We've got lots of Chinese and Indian people worshipping together. So, mm -hmm. you know, there's all these things that, that can come in and affect um, different churches uh, at this time. So we're more connected to the world. So just running a service with some good programs, life application yeah. sermon, that's going to become really difficult. Yeah. You know, even as you say that, something I, uh, that I, I've seen that I, I value and, and love about what Christianity has to offer in this complex moment um, is kind of drawing back on some stuff that, you know, Pascal talked about uh, in his writings about uh, we distract ourselves uh, because of our anxiety of our own mortality. <laughs> kind of like there's, there's a there, there's something that the Christian faith offers of a buoyancy, of, of, of a realistic buoyancy. Nice. Uh, to face the challenges of life, no matter the complexity, right? Like, like it's kind of like come what may, like pull pull whatever peg out of the the Jenga tower you want. Mm. We know who reigns over this, like you said, Jesus is Lord, and we know what kind of king he is, and we know that we're we're safe in his hands. Like, and mm. so like I, I love that about um, what Christianity offers. So like, as you're describing it, I'm hearing that what you're saying, and I'm, and I'm thankful for mm. that. Um, my last question is, what are, what are a few things you anticipate pastors will need to reimagine in their approach to discipleship, not just like uh -huh. churches and organization, but particular uh -huh. with people discipleship, uh -huh. um, in light of these problems in the next five years? There's different types of authority. So to begin with authority, there's different types of authority. There's positional authority, like you've got the role of senior pastor or in a yeah. Christian college, you're the president or whatever. Yeah. Um, then you have charismatic power. So that's like, you're just a really engaging person. You can tell a great story or you've got a sense of personal power or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. There's traditional power, which some people may have uh, that um, depends on your culture, but it could be you're related to this person or you come from this group or you know your father was this well-known person. Um, and in a sense, none of them are work, going to work well in the next era. <laughs> and I think that that's a good thing because what it brings us to is spiritual authority. You know, mm. and I just, again, I've thought a lot about David and I just think about it, David had the anointing, mm. but he didn't have the throne. Mm. And um, I sort of feel like that's the dynamic we're heading into. So I think people like, people are going to try and, you know, like, because there's this great rethinking of leadership at the moment. Mm -hmm. And there's, you know, people listen to podcasts about, you know, leadership dysfunctions and all that. So there's great rethinking at this point in time. The yeah. danger is we're just going to go to a sort of an opposite of perhaps the alpha leader. We're going to go to the, you know, the more yeah. sensitive leader. It's not about yeah. that. It's, it's about how, how do we 
you know, personal renewal leads to corporate change. My mentor, Terry mm-hmm. Walling, always says that's just one of the most important things I've taken. Yeah. And there's a unique discipleship journey that people listening to this, God is inviting us into in this time where we're having mm-hmm. to become more dependent on him. Um, and it could be isolation. It could be your church has gone through polarization. It could be that mm-hmm. um, your church is growing with new people coming because they're open to faith in, in COVID times. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But the invitation there is to step deeper into discipleship and actually allow ministry and the discipleship of others to come from an overflow from your life. I think where the metaverse and all of this stuff is we're increasingly living in a fantasy world, like I think, and there's more and more yeah. fantasies. What's going to cut through in a fantasy world is authenticity. And the mm-hmm. most authentic thing is when someone in their life, they've put things on the altar before God, they've created this open space for the, for the spirit and Jesus to move through us. When people see that, it's absolutely mm-hmm. magnetic. And that cuts through. You can't, you can't uh, fake that. And so I think that the starting point, I think for many leaders is actually a renewal that begins within our hearts mm-hmm. and then that flows into others. And, mm-hmm. and you do that and then you say, okay, so who's gathering around that? Um, there are probably people watching this going, I thought Fred three years ago was absolutely key to our church. And in the, in, in the pandemic, maybe Fred has stopped turning up. Maybe Fred has gotten really political. Maybe Fred's lost it. And mm-hmm. then you're looking at uh, John, and going, man, something's emerged in John in the last 12 months. I never knew it was there. He lost his job. He's struggling, but wow, he's pushed into Jesus. So it's almost mm-hmm. this moment where it's like, um, we're really seeing this spiritual, like who are the people we're into investing? I think, I think it's going from the many to the few now. Instead mm-hmm. of this broad based mass culture attempt, it's now disciple mm-hmm. a few. And I think that's, it's always worked like that at moments. You know, I think of the, the Welsh revival was 11 young adults who one night in this night service gave their hearts to God and literally a nation was changed. I think that's where we're seeing, but we, we want to get to the nation first, but we forget it begins with something that happens individually <laughs> and then a remnant. Yeah. So I think gray zone is a remnant forming time. Cool. That's great, Mark. Um, Thank you so much for your time, man. I, I just so appreciate um, your podcasts, you know, whether it's this cultural moment or rebuilders, uh, love your writing. Um, where can people keep up with you? Uh, so, yeah, so you can go to um, marksays.co or they can um, look at me uh, on, if I'm in the metaverse, <laughs> Twitter or Instagram or the, the, the growing metaverse. Um, yeah, and yeah, podcast rebuilders and um, yeah. Okay. Thank you very much, Mark. Look forward to talking to you again soon. My pleasure. Man, at the beginning of our time with Mark Sayers, we started big, looking at eras, pandemics, global cultural shifts. But now at the end, we've narrowed our focus, as Mark said, going from the many to the few and trusting that God will build a remnant in this gray zone. Nick, in all of this, what encouragement is there for pastors? Um, I think the encouragement is on one hand, we can be honest about the uniqueness of this cultural moment that mm. pastors and church leaders are facing. We can't minimize that. It, it is unique in some in some ways. However, I think the encouragement comes in that, on the other hand, it's not that unique. Uh, through all of human history, uh, through what the, the Bible tells us about human nature and humanity, right. the, uh, the inclinations underneath our cultural moment, whether that is some kind of self-reliance, whether that's some kind of, you know, t- Tower of Babel kind of uh, structure that mm-hmm. we're building, whatever it is, 
that is not unique because humans will still be humans. And so there is an opportunity for uh, the gospel in this moment. We don't need to be overwhelmed. We don't need to be um, beat down. We don't need to be discouraged yep. about what we're facing. We can be honest about it, but we can also find that uh, the gospel has survived through millennia and has provided people with hope and joy for millennia because humanity doesn't change and God doesn't change. And so we have a unique opportunity in this in this time and place. Yes, amen. So good. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Mark. And thanks everyone for following along with parts one and two of our interview with Mark Sayers. If you haven't already, subscribe to Equip and Engage today. We drop interviews like this multiple times every month, and it's all to encourage church leaders like you as you make an impact in your communities for the kingdom. We're honored to partner with thousands of ministries around the world, and we'd love to partner with you through technology we've built just for churches. So to connect with our team, just visit subsplash.com slash go. That's subsplash.com slash G-O. Thanks again for checking out Equip and Engage, and we'll catch you next time.